Welcome to Alter Your Comics Presents. I'm Alex. I'm Laura. And I'm Jared. And this week we're going to get all villainous here. We decided last week that it's Halloween month-ish time, so let's go evil. And we're going with our favorite or best villains in comic books. It could be favorite for any reason or the best for whatever reason. I know I have my reasons for what I chose. I don't know about you guys, but... Yep, same here. Nope, I just picked them at random. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would have been more fun. Though. That would have been good. I should have just put a bunch of them in a hat and been like, okay, make it up. So for me, the theme I went with was one of them was my, just my favorite villain of all. The other one was who was most successful as a villain. And the third one was just who's just born evil, more or less, or it's their nature. So I'll start first with my, I'm counting down from number three to number one. So number three for me is going to be one that was born evil. It's just their nature. Nothing malicious necessarily, just who they are, is Galactus. Um, he, his first appearance was in Fantastic Four, number 48, back in 1966. That was many a moons before I was even born. Ditto. He was originally the explorer called Galen of planet Ta. Ta or Ta, I'm not sure. It's T-A-A. I'm going to go with Ta. Say it with emphasis. And Ta. Yeah. Where... He was an explorer, and bad stuff happened, where he ended up becoming the Galactus that we know and fear now. Uh, he ended up making his, like, his own planet of Ta was destroyed. He ended up making a new homeworld, quote, homeworld, when he became Galactus, called Ta-2. Real clever, guys. Did that turn into Tatooine later? Uh, Tattoo, no. Tatooine was, nah, no. <laughs> just checking. One. Got nothing on that that's PG, at least, I'll put it that way. I don't want to edit that out also, so let's just go with that. Okay. Um, so yeah, Galactus is, we all know and love and or fear him, where he destroys planets, devours them, because he has this never-ending hunger, I guess. And he has his Heralds of Galactus, famous one, most famous one I would say is Silver Surfer. Yeah, I don't know what else to say other than he's just evil by nature, it's nothing against, like he's not actively, you know... I'm going to choose you or you or you to kill. Like, no, I just, I'm hungry and I need to eat. And Circle of life. Yeah, it's kind of like us against the ants. Ants might think we're malicious, but we're just going about our business. They just need to stay out of our kitchen so that way we don't need to kill them. We have, we have fine boundaries. We, we've clearly defined, hey, you get the outside, we'll get the inside, whatever. But no, they have to cross that line. I don't think and they know they, they do. die. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have... Ma or we have ant traps and mouse traps for whatever mouse is going to because I was getting ready to say that, so why not? Um, so yeah, just Galactus is w my number three pick because he's just evil by nature, not nothing by no malice really behind it, it seems. So who wants to go next with their next pick or their first choice or third choice, however you want to look at it? I think I'll let Jared go first. Yeah, okay, I don't really have an order of first to third. I'd pick three characters I like. I think my third probably will be my favorite, but... Uh... I'm going to start with uh, Sinestro from the Green Lantern universe. Uh, he was uh, his first appearance was in 1961 in uh, Green Lantern Volume Two, Number Seven. Um, I really liked him because he was started out as an ally. He was a Green Lantern, and he was the one who trained Hal Jordan, probably the most famous uh, Green Lantern. And uh, he used the Green Lantern ring to instill fear to keep star systems in line. And for that, the Green Lanterns banished him. Uh, he would come back and fight Hal Jordan and the other Green Lanterns several times, but uh, some of his biggest uh, situations were he murdered an entire star system before the Green Lanterns were able to stop him. 
um, he created the Sinestro Corps and had a war with the Green Lanterns, and that was probably my first real Sinestro-themed book that I read that really I really wanted to know more about the character and everything, so... That was probably one of my favorite uh, Green Lantern, the Sinestro Corps War. During Blackest Night, he actually took control of the white entity, uh, which is kind of like Parallax. Each colored ring has their own entity, and he's like the entity of life. So Sinestro took control of him just because he wanted to be the best Green or the best Lantern, not just because he wanted to help everybody. But he was always friends with Hal Jordan, no matter if he was a Green Lantern or a Yellow Lantern or anything like that. He was always friends with Hal Jordan. So. Or at least frenemies, I would say. Well, there's friend, friend. I couldn't but. tell you which one, but there was a comic in the, out there that I read, and how Jordan had asked him, "Were we ever friends?" And Sinestro says, "We always, we always have been." You we, know, we still are. What, exactly. what, what are you saying, man? We're still friends. We're still but, cool. Let's go grab a drink. <laughs> um, one thing that with Sinestro that when I was researching for what uh, villains I wanted to choose. The one of the websites said that they liked him as a winning villain because when they did the whole war, the Yellow Lanterns and Green Lanterns, like he knew he was going to lose that war, but he wanted to prove that no, you guys are willing to kill people too. You think you're all high and mighty, but you still killed just as much as we right. did. Right, right, yeah. So I was like, that's a cool. Yep. I always like it when a villain can win, but this ultimately doesn't win overall. But it's like, oh, right. we proved our point. Right, and I think it was in. The Sinestro Corps War, where the uh, Guardians of the Lanterns uh, gave them the ability to kill. They said uh, Lethal Force is, is now is authorized. Yeah, is authorized. So they they actually turned it on for the war. Laura, what's on your list? I guess it's up to me now. Um, I went ahead, because I'm such a big fan of Spider-Man, I focused on his villains a lot. Those are what I know. So I went with the Kingpin as my first topic to bring up. I wouldn't say he's really my favorite villain but he's kind of the most realistic like i feel like he could be a villain in real life very he's a, easily he's like a rich politician so yeah mm-hmm. i could totally see him being a legit person that's in my notes right here more <laughs> polit- political kind of like and a john Gotti. Yeah. kind of like other politicians that are not gonna, i'm not going to mention because <laughs> of politics <laughs> yeah and wasn't he the mayor of new york for a while i he feel was, like yeah. he i don't think he is currently in the spider-man run but it wasn't that long ago that he had some sort of meetup and he's like spider-man and jay jonah i'm inviting you to this and it was a trap the whole time and near as i can tell he else. is still mayor of new york right was now it still? okay i believe so they just don't bring it up a lot like they they use him when they need to um i think they appears more so in like daredevil yeah than spider-man so like mayor of and they focus more of that on in Daredevil. Yeah, at first I thought that he was originally a Daredevil villain, but no, he did first show up in Amazing Spider-Man 50 in 1967, but he just became more renowned as a Daredevil villain when he entered that universe in Daredevil 170 in 1981. But also, um, the cartoon that I used to watch, I think it's the 1995 animated series, the Kingpin was always one of the really big overarching villains in that, and he brought together the Insidious Six, and like he was the main big villain who was behind a lot of pulling the strings and bringing in other sub-villains in that universe. So I always pictured the Kingpin as the Kingpin, like he's a big deal. He's the kingpin of crime. He can hire whoever supervillain he wants to do his bidding. And that was another reason um, I liked Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse in 2018 because he was kind of the big villain in that show too, in, in my mind at least. And so since that harked back to the cartoon I was used to, it gave him more points. Yeah, he's 
been, like we said, Daredevil. He was in the Daredevil Netflix show. He was the main villain in that as well. It, I forget who the actor was that played him, but he did a phenomenal job as him. The, oh, the actor also played in Full Metal Jacket. And was also in Law and Order forever. Yeah. Something D'Onofrio. I can look it's it up. But he did a really good job. He was amazing at that role. Yeah, and I know like uh, a lot of the Netflix people are saying, hey, Marvel, Disney, if you want us back, we're cool with it. And he's definitely one of those that was like, no, y'all, I'll be Kingpin again. Sure, that was great. I mean, yeah. and he did a phenomenal job as it. I would not be upset with him doing that. Vincent D'Onofrio. He was also in Jurassic World, the first Jurassic oh, World movie. yeah. For all of like five minutes, and then he got dinosaured. No, he was in there a little longer than that, but he, it was yeah. like at the beginning... I guess you mean five minutes total yeah, screen time. Yeah. My bad. But he was in for like two minutes at the beginning and like five minutes at the end. So yeah, yeah, he did a good job as Kingpin. Uh, I liked him better than whoever they had for the Daredevil movie. I forget who they had. I couldn't even tell you who. Yeah, doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. <laughs> not, not continuity anymore, so oh well. Yeah, that was a rough movie. That could be our bad movie night movie. Possibly. But. So moving on, my next pick, number two pick, is also a Spider-Man villain. Uh, it is Mysterio. First appearance was in Amazing Spider-Man number 13. That was back in 1964. So I'm starting to see a theme here. All of our f- favorite villains are from like the 60s or so. They started out well. They've had they've been around long enough that they can build huge character arcs or story arcs with them. But the biggest reason for me why Mysterio is such a good villain is because he's just, A, he's just a normal dude that has good, he was a special effects person, so he has good craftsmanship and... He's pretty smart, but not, like, genius-level smart. But he can, like, I'll just illusion everything. I love what they did with him in the movie, with the Spider-Man uh, Far From Home movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, I believe. And I was like, oh, this is really... I can see how you could screw someone's mind by, like, oh, what's real? What's reality and what's not with all that? And, like, they really made him an actual cool villain. I know in the Spider-Man 2 video game that I played... Like, he was like, oh, he's now Mysterio is attacking. He's like, he's robbing a Quickie Mart. Oh, wait, what? So then it sets up a big, a big fight. You go over and you get ready for a fight. His health meter is like five bars full. One punch immediately drains him dead. He's dead instantly. It's like, well, they just set up to be a big weakling and whatever. Like, that was a fun joke. But uh, going back to why he's good, other than the movie, was the Old Man Logan story arc. Um, made him oh, yeah. way they really showed how underpowered that everyone has utilized him They're like no he manipulated brainwashed whatever wolverine into thinking that all of his friends were not his friends and he had to murder all the x-men mysterio alone did that which that's pretty cool and pretty awesome to have like all right well villains are taking over whatever we, we did this and it all part of what happened was because we we made wolverine kill everybody or a vast majority of people Pretty much the all the X Men. Yeah, there's no one left. <laughs> yeah, other than him. And for me, uh, this category was under for me when I was figuring out a villain. If I wanted a villain that succeeded at their mission, and that's that's the biggest success I could think of was Old Man Logan. Oh, yeah. That whole world because mostly because of Mysterio himself succeeded at that. I mean, everyone else had their part, but like that's a pretty big chunk to take care of. Yeah, the X-Men? Yeah. yeah that's no I mean, slouch. You think for Marvel, there's X-Men and the Avengers, and everything else is like, whatever. But if you... Spider-Man? Hello. Well, he's, he's an Avenger. Once an Avenger, always an Avenger. Okay. So, but Good if save. You, if you can take out a big chunk like that by yourself, then kudos to you. Well, he kind of still used Wolverine, but if you can convince Wolverine to do your bidding... Either way, yeah. Good. I mean, I, for me, like, that's... Holy crap, that's impressive to be able to take out that big of a chunk, more or less single-handedly. It made Wolverine no longer Wolverine. He just went by James Howlett, or James again. 
Or no, he was no Logan. No, it was Logan. Yeah. He, yeah I was going to yeah, say, what? It was Old Man Logan, that's right. <laughs> so he dropped the Wolverine. He's like, nope, I'm never Wolverine again. I'm not going to pop my claws ever again. So he essentially destroyed all the X-Men, including Wolverine at the time. So that was my number two. That's a good number two. Thank you. So <laughs> Solid. That's a solid, a solid number two. Number two. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with somebody who was who debuted a little later than the 60s in 1980, Deathstroke. Um, he first appeared in the New Teen Titans number two. Um, he's more of a mercenary than he is a villain in my eyes, but I always liked him fighting the Teen Titans and even the Justice League at times. Um, he was uh, enhanced, almost like an evil version of Captain America, in a sense. Uh, he could see the Flash moving at his speed and everything like that. Which is not an easy task. No. Um, there was uh, plenty of instances where he really showed he was evil. Uh, one of them was uh, he drove his daughter insane and made her stick kryptonite in her eye socket that she cut out to be like him to go fight Superman. Like, that's a little that, That's super intense. crazy. That's not intense. That's crazy. Yeah. That's full-on crazy. So another one was he dropped a character called Chemo onto Bloodhaven. He's a big green chemical bomb type of guy. I couldn't tell you much about him. I, there's not much to tell. He's only on this list because of Deathstroke. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But uh, one of the biggest things, or two of the biggest moments that always stuck out to me is was in Identity Cross Crisis. Uh, he fought the pretty much all your big league Justice League members. He was able to stab the Flash break Green Lantern's fingers and uh, throat chop Zatanna and make her throw up so she couldn't speak all in the same fight. That's so that's, you know, that's no slouch when you can do that to some of your heavy hitters of the Justice League. But uh, the main one for me was where he orchestrated uh, the Judas contract from Teen Titans, where he plugged Terra into the Teen Titans team and had her betray them and basically learn all of their secrets and try to take them out one by one after that. Uh, Titans eventually succeeded, yes, with the help of Deathstroke's son, Jericho. But uh, that was always one of my favorite story arcs of DC Comics in general. But uh, yeah, that's my number two. Sounds good. I always remembered him from the Teen Titans cartoon. That was in early 2000s-ish. Oh, yeah. Where he was the main villain for the Teen Titans. And it was the same thing where he sent Terra or Sarah? It was Terra. Terra as a double agent sort of secret yeah. operative and everything with that and then of course i learned about deadpool so we got slade wilson then wade, wade wilson, wilson yep deathstroke deadpool i will admit deadpool is way better <laughs> <laughs> but he but deadpool's not a really villain so no he's more of a joke a spoof and he's a mercenary he's, he's not a mercenary villain. well so I mean, is so is deathstroke yeah but i guess like Deadpool's evolved enough that he's no longer just a mercenary. No. I mean, he made his own Avengers team briefly, yeah. so. Now I'm trying to remember. There was a arc where Deadpool was trying to kill, I think he was trying to kill Peter Parker. I can't remember now why he was doing that. Because it seemed evil at the time to me, obviously. I'm like, <laughs> why is he trying to kill Spider-Man? Or kill Peter Parker? It was probably a job. Yeah. Uh, oh, next, I guess. What's next on your I'm list? next, then, aren't I? Um, I thought I'd talk about Dr. Octopus next, even though I know... He's overplayed, like, everyone's like, oh yeah, Doc Ock's my favorite villain, obviously. But I'm still gonna go basic. Um, he was first in Amazing Spider-Man number three, so he's one of Spider-Man's first villains ever. So I think that's kind of a big deal. In Amazing Spider-Man annual number one, he actually founded the Sinister Six, because he looked at all these people and he said, hey, we all came really close to defeating Spider-Man. If we work together, then we could probably do it all at once, you know? And his origin, his origin story was that he was a scientist and he was working, I forget exactly what he was working with, 
but it was dangerous enough that he had the, the arms to extend his reach and work safely with the chemicals and things. Except, you know, there's always some sort of lab accident. In the comic books, at least. I shouldn't say that from experience. <laughs> Seven years, only one big accident. Um, for me, at least. And it wasn't your fault. And you're not yeah. a supervillain, so... Yeah. Yet. Yet. Didn't go bad. Yet. Yet. Give me time. I'm getting angry. <laughs> you won't like me when I'm angry. Anyway. But... <laughs> But yeah, this accident fuses, well, there's some debate, like some iterations, the arms are fused to his spine. Sometimes they're, they're attached for a little while, but they can get them off through other means. And then a lot of times they're telepathic still, like he can use his arms a lot of different ways over time. And so that's always been interesting too, that he kind of has an exoskeleton that he can manipulate. And just like Dr. Octopus also has a lot of inventiveness and creativity, he's a genius. He can get a lot of things done and utilize his technology to make things happen. And in the cartoon again that I always reference, he was actually Peter Parker's mentor at a science camp when they were when Peter was a little kid. Doc Ock was still like, oh, he always looks old. No matter what age he is, he looks like he's about maybe 50 or so. I don't know. You might be afraid some of our <laughs> listeners. What you define as old right now. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying Doc Ock always looks Maybe I should say mature. There you go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Distinguished. Yeah. <laughs> I feel uh, like it... Distinguished is more handsome. I'd say mature is... Okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. You're yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the bowl cut, too. Like, it's just dated. And the Maybe way he speaks also, calling people yeah. adults, which I always love mm. that. Yeah, I still can't believe when... that, that That's another factor... Doc Ock was one of the first people to overtake Spider-Man's body, like mind swap with him for an extended period of time. And no one noticed that he still talked like crazy Doc Ock. No one's like, Spider-Man sounds kind of weird lately, doesn't he? But that was good timing that I think Mary Jane didn't show up much in that whole plot. Because I think she would have been like, um, something's wrong. Someone fix this right now. Yeah, for me, like, yeah, I knew, because I knew you picked Doc Ock, I didn't. Uh, it would have been a good substitute for my number two of uh, Mysterio. Because he is a villain that succeeded at his goal, where he took over the body of Peter Parker and was the superior Spider-Man for about two years, I want to say. Yeah. Two or two and a half years solid of him taking over. So, like, he succeeded full on. And the fact that he's been in the movies, cartoons, games, TV shows, like, everything. Like, you need to have Doc Ock as a presence around because he is a great Spider-Man villain. Yeah, a lot of people point out that he's almost... If Spider-Man had gone evil, like he's kind of the, the flip of the coin of Spider-Man. Spider-Man gained his powers and decided to use them for good, but Doc Ock had a lot of similar life experience to Spider-Man, but chose to go a different route. They were both nerds, they both got picked on, both not really having money, so yeah, different sides of the same coin sort of thing. Uh, my number one favorite villain, best villain, whatever villain list we're talking about, for me, is Magneto from the X-Men. First appeared in X-Men number one, right at the beginning. Uh, that came out in 1963. A little background for him. He was a survivor of the Holocaust. His family was raised in, or were thrown into Auschwitz, where his parents and his sister all died in a mass grave. Um, he died also, or he, they thought he was going to die, but he like he dug himself out, probably because of his ability. They were, they're not really clear on how he survived that part but he survived that and then ended up becoming the mutant the the leader of the brotherhood of evil mutants i think is what it is or brotherhood of mutants um that we know and love and fear and now recently the last 10 15 years or so he's 
going back and forth of not so evil. He's joined the X-Men several times and still has somewhat evil ways, but not full on. Stan Lee himself actually said he's not really a villain. He's just kind of, he's looking out for his own people. He saw the worst of humanity in World War II with the Nazis, because um, he is Jewish also. Like, he saw the worst of the worst, and he's just like, no, this can never happen again. We have to protect our people, no matter what it costs, because if we don't, then we're going to be, you know, same as what happened to the Jews in World War II. So we need to take care of our own. Now, you look at that compared to Magneto, like, oh yeah, we do need to take care of our own, but like through peaceful ways. So that's why they clash at the beginning and everything. But for me, like, when I look at the villain of Magneto, like, uh, he does have a lot of good points and what he's seen, what he's lived through. Like, yeah, he saw the worst of the worst and survived it. Like, you can't blame him at all for not having any hope at all in anybody at that point. So for me, that's so the no, number three and two are, you know, just born by evil by nature, evil by succeeding or succeeding at the evil. And this one's just like most relatable, I would say for me is a most relatable villain. Like I can totally get his point of view of like, no, these guys are pretty bad, so screw them. If we don't attack them, they'll attack us. I'm not saying it's right, but he definitely has some very valid points to that. If you look at what he's seen, I mean, he watched so many Jews get wiped out. Oh, yeah, in, in horrific he, ways, yeah. too. Not even just like, oh, they're murdered. Like, no, they're murdered painful, awful right. ways. And he didn't want to see that happen again. Right. For me, it's hard to beat him as the best villain because like if you make him make the person relatable then that's a conflict like should we even stop this person then because they make a lot of good points yeah one of the best villains is definitely one that you're like well maybe we should still let him because he's getting his like you said getting their way right yeah they're now he like i said he was doing about the wrong way but he definitely like Mm, it's you're, I, I agree with you to a certain degree. Like, you're starting to cross that line. I don't believe you anymore, but, like, tone it back, and then, sure, we're on the same page. Kind of like a Killmonger in a Black Panther movie. Yeah? So. Yeah. Thought he was, everyone thought he was right, and he ended up being right throughout the whole movie, but, you know, Black Panther still kicked the crap out of him. Right. <laughs> well, and for me, with my criteria before, of like, a villain that's by nature, well, he was kind of raised in the middle of that, so that checks that box, and a villain that had won... Well, several times he has joined uh, his own mutant colony. Like right now, they're doing the house. I think it's the Dawn of X right now is the whole story arc with X-Men with everything. Where he's, all mutants are all together on Krakoa. He's part of the secret count. He's part of the head council of it. He's, he's reformed, but he's still winning also. The whole House of M when he was in charge of the whole world during that universe, that little pocket universe. I mean, that was due to his daughter, but eh, still he was in charge of everything, so that'd be him getting what he wanted. So for me, to check those boxes. So like, yep, Magneto's number one for me. There was one, I don't remember if it was like Ultimate Universe or something, but he uh, used his powers to rip the adamantium off of Wolverine's uh, skeleton, Ouch. and it killed him, I believe. Well, they, he's, they've done that several times. And where sometimes he kills him, sometimes he usually doesn't because his healing factor. like Or he'll flatline, but then regenerate back. I think the most notable one was, I want to say, Age of Apocalypse. Maybe that's what I'm thinking think, of. And they had, like, Feral Wolverine, too, for a while. Like, Wolverine went completely insane. It was like, like all right, he's just a murder machine with his bone claws and everything. So, yeah, whenever I see Wolverine, like, all right, I'm picking a fight with Magneto. Bro, your whole body's metal. <laughs> yeah. But... I guess it probably is magnetic, but there are some metals that aren't magnetic. So There are, but they have shown that adamantium is magnetic. Okay. I missed it. So, 
Even if it wasn't, though, like, Magneto can fly because he can manipulate the magnetic fields of Earth. So, like, he can still theoretically move anybody at that point, then. Yeah, true. I mean, in the movies, okay. the, he killed, he broke out of his security cell. From someone having too much iron in their, in their blood. blood. Yeah, which was really cool and really sick and twisted. He's, he is an Omega-level mutant, and you don't want to cross him. No. <laughs> so, follow that one, Jared. All right, I'll go with my top pick. My favorite of all time was the Joker. Um, I looked it up on DC Fandom's website, and it says that the Joker has more than 616 kills in the DC Universe. See, they could have just said 600, but I think think they picked 616 for 616, which is the Marvel Universe. I think they chose <laughs> specifically more than 616, more than 616. My best they guess. could have. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. That's pretty good. But uh, he's one that constantly tries to get Batman to kill him for, so Batman can break his one rule. Batman doesn't kill. The Joker is constantly trying to get him to do that. He's always messing with uh, the Batman family con- and just going after every one of them in a certain way. Um, he really goes after Jim Gordon quite a bit, too. Uh, during No Man's Land, he kidnaps a bunch of babies to lure Jim Gordon's wife, Sarah, to save them. And he ends up killing her. Later on, he... Or no, may have been before No Man's Land. Yeah, because Bar- uh, Barbara was Oracle at that time. But, uh, you know, during the killing joke, he cripples Batgirl just to show to, to Commissioner Gordon that somebody can go crazy just ha- by having a bad day. And uh, he takes pictures of her naked body as she's been shot, after she's been shot in the stomach. And There's implications of rape. Yeah. They, they've never really said one way or the other, but there's been... Heavy implications, but they really, really show the, the torturous side of the Joker in those. But uh, other times he kills Jason Todd by beating him with a crowbar and blowing him up in a shed or a warehouse. He brainwashes Harley Quinn, the psychiatrist, into falling in love with him and then is very abusive towards her, very domestic violent uh, relationship. She's finally out of that relationship. And he's got a new girlfriend punchline. Punch Thank you. Or punch was, bag. Punching, yeah, punching bag is Harley Calder. Harley Calder, yeah. So, but in the Joker graphic novel, one of them that stuck with me was, and I don't remember why, but he skins somebody alive because he's the Joker. Yeah, that's what he does. May not even need a reason. I'm gonna have to reread that to find out yeah. why. But that one stuck with me. I'm like, ew, you know. Yeah, I haven't read that book in a long time. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, in the Injustice comic, he uses. Is it uh, Scarecrow's fear toxin and some of his Joker venom mixed together and uh, gives it to Superman and he's hallucinating and ends up killing his uh, pregnant wife, Lois. Pregnant Lois, which then he had a bomb set up to her heart that if her heart stopped, then it would blow up Metropolis also. Yep, he nuked Metropolis with it. And yeah, that was... It gave Superman that same bad day and Superman went kind of crazy. It broke Superman. Yeah, so... It's uh, exciting to see the future because we've now kind of confirmed with the Joker War that the Joker does know Batman's secret identity. He knows the whole families. Yeah, he knows the whole family. He so, but he doesn't care because he doesn't no. want to attack Barbara. He doesn't want to attack uh, Bruce Wayne. He wants to attack the Bat family. He wants to attack exactly. Batman, Batgirl, Robin, Red Hood. Yeah, all he's of them. not going to go into the mansion and pick a fight with a Bruce Wayne as he's sleeping. No, he wants to pick a fight with Batman out in the open where, you know, Batman's going to have to. Just pull through and beat him. Right. Basically, I mean, he knows that 
it is Batman acting like Bruce Wayne. It's not Bruce Wayne acting like Batman. So right. he wants to go after the super version of everybody. And that's where the the fame is, too. Yeah. I mean, when he brainwashed uh, Dick Grayson, he's like, no, no, you're Nightwing. You're not Dick Grayson. You're Nightwing. That acts like Dick Grayson when he's all on the side. Like, right. And that's the difference kind of between Marvel and DC as a whole, too, where it's like the DC is about the superhero. Marvel's more about the person that's underneath the costume. That's a very good way to put that. I've worked on it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like it's part of his job. Um, But, yeah, Joker, I mean... Yeah. You can't have Batman in any medium without the Joker. Yeah. Like, movies, what, like the current movie series doesn't have a Joker, but because it's good luck following a live action Heath Ledger. Yeah. That and you think about how long the Joker's been around. He's been around since 1940 right. and he is still labeled as the top villain or one of the top villain out of all of them. Well, one thing with him is like he, he does have multiple iterations slash personalities or reincarnations or whatever that you want that say no it's still it's still all him just different i don't know different angles that you're looking at the character more or less yeah and right now they're jeff johns is doing the three jokers yeah yeah i was just thinking that you know it kind of leads into there's not just one joke maybe there are multiples so yeah it's definitely i i'm still of the belief that there's only one and it's just it's different moods that he's in yeah i i always you know, it's there's got to be one Joker, so yes, but the after three Jokers, along. yeah, the three Jokers book is really good it, yeah. and it is really fun. But uh, I, I'm treating it as a what if, exactly. Same here, and I don't care what DC says, no, for me, there's always one that's it. And that's the great thing with DC, they probably will never say one way or the other. He's like, here's a story, interpret it the way you want, or the moment they do, they'll just retcon it and just change it to something else, yeah, and they'll do that <laughs> well, for better or worse. I mean, it's well happened. All right, Laura. Pressure's on you. Uh-oh. What's your last pick? Another basic one. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm the basic girl tonight. Hey, basics <laughs> Basics are good, though. Uh, the Green Goblin is always one of my favorite villains, especially because he just keeps coming back for more. Like, he forgets what he's doing, gets amnesia, comes back later. Specifically the Norman now. Osborn, right? Oh, yeah, sorry. I was going to get there eventually, I promise. <laughs> um, so yeah, since you mentioned that, uh, the first appearance of the Green Goblin in the Spider-Man comics was number 14 in 1964, but then Norman Osborn isn't actually introduced until Amazing Spider-Man number 37. And shoot, I forget now, I should have looked it up better. If that's when they actually reveal that Norman Osborn is the Green Goblin, I think they do. But shortly after that, I'm sure they do. There was a bunch of controversy at first, did they want the Green Goblin to be a character who was actually introduced and someone they knew and was that close to Spider-Man? And I'm really glad they went that way, because I guess there was a controversy that it would just be some random businessman. Like, no one you'd known before, it would be a reveal that really disappointed, I think. A big but, reveal that no one cares about. Yeah. But we but, care now. Yeah, and I always think that it's been a great plot that Norman Osborn was someone that Spider-Man knew and saw as kind of a father figure, and Norman always looks at Peter as like the son he wished he had over Harry, which sucks for Harry, but then that leads into Harry becoming the Green Goblin later too, and Harry's son Normie becomes the Green Goblin. There there are lots of Green Goblins. It's kind of ridiculous. That family is messed up in short. Oh, yeah. Three generations of awful craziness. At least. Yeah, the one of the snippets i was reading on wikipedia made it sound like norman's father was also not so great but he wasn't a goblin level bad but i mean still abusive not great super rich people tend to be not great so 
I'm actually not 100% that his father was necessarily super rich, but he wanted to be. And he made a big deal that you needed to be to get ahead in life. So maybe I'll just say super greedy people tend to be not great people then. Yeah, I've always been impressed that Norman, in most of the iterations I've seen, like between comics or cartoons, he's also a genius as far as I'm concerned. Some people downplay how he can use technology, but I think that he's right up there with Spider-Man and Doc Ock with his level of intuitiveness to get things done and create things. And that was another subplot in the old cartoon. The reason Norman was working on all these things was the Kingpin asked him, hey, make all these weapons, do all this stuff. I've got plans and a lot of it ended up being to kill Spider-Man. And then in the movie, I liked, I guess I should say the first Spider-Man movie in 2002. Something, two. 2002. Yep. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was really great at it, too, and he did a great job of talking to himself when he was going crazy. He played a great crazy person. Like, I totally thought, yep, that dude's crazy. Yeah, I really liked the aspect in that, that Norman and Oscorp, they were creating weapons for the military, and I thought that made a lot of sense, that they wanted armor and all this technology to take to war. Because why, why else would he be having all these weapons? Like, oh, yeah, it's a logical... Like, they never really addressed that in the comics or anything beforehand. Like, why do you have this weird stuff? But yeah, it was a great, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. That tracks. And like another spin on the super soldier formula, too. Uh, reminds you a bit like Iron Man of like, oh, the reason why I made the Iron Man armor is because he was an arms dealer. Well, same thing with Norman. Oh. In the comics, they do have a bit that. of a rivalry together with Oscorp and uh, uh, Stark's... Enterprises. Uh, Enterprises, yeah. Where it's like they're both weapons dealers and... One's a good guy, but one's not a good guy, and they've definitely shown that back and forth a little bit in the comics of everything. There's still some contention whether Iron Man's really a good guy. Eh, Mr. Stank. <laughs> One part I really like about uh, Green Goblin was how he actually became in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Avengers and everything with Secret Invasion, where he ended the Secret Invasion war by killing the Skrull Queen. So that's why she was, he was another contender for my of a villain succeeding where he succeeded where he convinced everybody that he was good and in charge of everything and was in charge of an Avengers team where that had, I think it was called Dark Reign was that story arc within Marvel. I think so. It had like an evil Wolverine was Wolverine's son. Uh, they had a uh, Ms. Marvel, which was Moonstone. Ares was Thor. Ares was Thor. Um, oh, I forget what all they had. Oh, and he was and the Iron, Iron Patriot. Patriot. Yeah. Okay, Iron Patriot. I was just going to say, wasn't there something with the Iron Patriot? This name's coming to mind. So like, each person was a dark version of whoever. I forget who the Captain America... Oh, Taskmaster was Captain America. Was the dark version of Captain America was Taskmaster because he had the shield and everything. And Yellow Jacket was Ant-Man, if I remember correctly. So that was really cool to have the whole inverse of all the Avengers where he, he won and took over and was in charge for a little while. And then, of course, they proved that he was crazy and they took him down, but whatever, but it was still a really cool villain. Venom was there, too. Uh, there not there was a Venom. It was Matt Gargan. I was going to say, it wasn't Eddie. Oh. Yep. Matt Gargan had the Venom symbiote and was eating other people. Yeah. They're like, delicious. Like, biting their heads off. So. Oh. See, Venom would have gone for the liver first. Or spleen. So, those are our best <laughs> villains. So, we will move on to this week's comic books of the week. Um, let's start with honorable mentions. Um, because we're on long, we're only going to do one honorable mention and then one pick of the week. Um, Jared, since I went first last time, you can go first this time with your honorable 
mention. I'm going to completely ignore what you just said and do this really quickly. Um, I really liked uh, DC's The Doomed and The Damned. It's a 10 issue or 10 stories in one book, their Halloween special. I thought it was really good. It had some fun stories in it, a lot of team-ups. That was really good. And the other one is uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal number four. Uh, I think you all should pick that up. That was really good as well. So if you like Dark Knight's Death Metal, then keep on, keep it on. That's right. And there's rumors that in January that DC will be jumping to the future like four or five years after this, where it's like the next generation of heroes. Supposedly where the 5G was supposed to be, but they're rebranding it to like a, a brand new start, a fresh start. Something like that, yeah. It's supposed to be yeah, for, yeah. through January and February, a time jump, and then theoretically go back to normal stuff afterwards. Yeah, we'll see know. what they do. We'll see. Uh, what's your honorable mention, Laura? As sad as it sounds, Amazing Spider-Man is only an honorable mention. Um, number 50 was this week. It's the beginning, I think, of Last Remains. Yeah, Last Remains Part 1. The big thing is they reveal who Kindred is, so if you've been placing bets on who Kindred is, get your money out now. Uh, which They've been teasing Kindred since issue 1 of the story arc. Yeah, I was. I kind of forgot about it because it's been so long. I'm like, oh yeah, they never did explain who this guy is or what he's doing like or blah, blah, one blah. One page, like every three issues or so, they'd mention him. And... Let's see what was some highlights from it. Uh, we're, the biggest thing is we get to see who Kindred is. Yeah. Um, there's it's the fallout of Sinier with Norman Osborn uh, coming back as Green Goblin. So he's talking like they're talking like oh I ha-, Norman's like I had to do this and whatever because of the guys behind Sinier is the big bigger problem. Sinier was just like the appetizer. We're getting to the main course of the be- big bad of what's gonna happen. Yeah, and there's a scene where Osborne's explaining to Dr. Kafka, who's also back from the dead, why they don't need to, like, kill Kindred, or not just stop him, they need to save him. Like, Osborne has a personal interest in this whole thing that we didn't realize before. So check that out. And my honorable mention is The Vein, number one. Uh, It is a book that sucks. It is about vampires, that's why it sucks. Where it is a bunch of vampires, I want to say like a Roaring Twenty. Well, no, no, like it's yeah, 19, 1941. Yeah, early yeah. 40s. 41 is when it starts. So they're talking about World War Two getting started and all that fun stuff. And they are robbing a blood bank, or then several blood banks. And there's a, a cop that's trying to investigate him. Is getting really close to figuring it out, and then he gets drafted to the war. So it's like, well, let's see what's going on with that. Um, so yeah, that's. Vein number one is my honorable mention where if you like vampires and if you like a period piece of the 40s, you'll check it out. It's pretty cool to see that and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Was, uh, I'm going to give a slight spoiler with that. There was one scene that really I thought was done really well. It's uh, one of the vampires uh, shoots herself in the head and just goes on with the conversation and yep. everything. And is messing with just the guard. Aren't you scared freaks, yet? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> completely freaks out the guard. I'm like, oh, that, that's total vampire move. So I thought this was really good. And for picks of the week, we'll do reverse order. So I'll start with this one, and we'll end with Jared. So, Laurie, you're still in the middle. So okay. my pick of the week for the my favorite book of this week is Seven Secrets, number three. Um, it's Again, it's written by Tom Taylor, folks. You need to check it out. If you like Injustice or Deceased or really anything else that he writes, you'll like this too. And I want to point out that if this wasn't your pick of the week, this was going to be my pick of the week. Yeah, I, I, I really dug it. Um, the first two issues showed the main character's father, the relationship with his, with his parents, and last issue focused more on his father. This one is the fallout of his father dying. So they're trying to find a new person to guard 
the seven secrets, the this one secret that him and that his mom and dad were holding, and they're trying to find the replacement for his dad. So of course he's like, no, I'm I'm ready. I want to volunteer for it, and it's a cool little segment of how they show the different tasks to test if you're worthy of carrying it. But my favorite part was how they decided at the end who won it. I'm not going to say how it happened, but I actually chuckled at it when I was reading. I was like, that's that's pretty good. And then they kept rolling with it like a page two after it. And at one point he's like, because the rule is you're not supposed to let give away the suitcase to anybody. And at one point he's like, should I tell them that I left it outside the bathroom to pee? And his mom's like, no, no, just don't tell <laughs> them that, that part. Yeah, keep that to yourself. Keep that to your, that's a secret between the two of us. We're not going to mention it ever again. So that <laughs> made me laugh too. Like, oh, that's that's fun. Oh, it's up to me now, isn't it? Yep. I really enjoyed We Live number one. Um, let's see, it's from Aftershock Comics. It was interesting because... Like, number one, as soon as I opened it up, I realized it has a pull-out cover that's basically three pages long. It wraps around and opens up. And it wraps it's around really, and then some. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's vibrant and pretty for, I, I want to call it, like, a the apocalypse is happening story. Um, might as well read my notes. A cheery apocalypse. Yeah, it was a fun one. Yeah, it was one thing that kind of almost ruined it for me though there are these little qr codes as you're going along and they're little musical snippets and to me the music is kind of somber so that kind of gave me this idea that it should be a somber story even though if i had read it and not watched these qr codes i think i would have thought it was more cheery and upbeat and all that but because i had this music in my head and i was like oh i gotta get ready it's gonna be a sad story and it wasn't necessarily at all I mean, you could take some parts of it that way. Yeah, I didn't use the QR, QR codes. I didn't. Yeah. I, I saw, saw them, but I, I didn't know like, what they were. Nope, I'm lazy. I'm move along. That's yeah. the way I. That's the way I did it. But uh, I. That's pretty cool that that was songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm and tempted to reread it with that. I am line. too now. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wish that I'd read it and then come back to the songs and maybe reread it or rethought about it, but. I make this mistake a lot sometimes where I get too involved in something thinking, no, I want to live through it this way first. The way they intended it. Yeah, it's kind of like when you get a CD and there's two CDs. It's like, oh, do you go right to left or left to right? Like, how did they really want their musical composition to unfold? I look for CD one or CD two yeah. on. Or see how the, <laughs> if, it, if it still has a book, see which one is listed first. There you go. Yeah. But that most people don't get CDs anymore. So. Yeah, no. Well, those people are wrong. Or Or vinyl. You can also do it with two two vinyls. But the the main story is that the world is ending. Aliens have offered to save 5,000 children who will be marked with these bracelets. And they need to get these kids and a guide or an escort. Chaperone, yeah, that's a good word. They're rendezvousing at nine points across the entire world to get there at a certain point so that they can get relocated to another planet and survive all the junk that's going through destroying the world we have now. And, of course, for me, I love any book that has a map. And one of the back pages is a map of, like, the the world they're traveling through to tell you how they're getting from point A to point B. And how far away they are and everything. One part I enjoyed is at the end of it has this little diagram like, oh, the importance of the bracelets. It reminded me a lot of Fallout. Of yeah. Their, their pit boys. Yeah. 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 It's also a cute side note that one of the main characters, Hatoto is how I'm saying his name. He has a special helmet, a Marshall Supercat 2000, and he's... His goal is to become a superhero, and so the whole time he's trying to be a play superhero, really, because he's a young kid. And other people he meets along the way look at his helmet and 
at one point it gets a little broken and the other guy fixes it. And I think that he fixed it even more so. I don't think it had all these features before this guy like souped it up a little bit. And I think it'll be interesting where they go with that in the future too. All right, Jared. All right. You to finish us off with what's your pick of the week. Okay, I'm going to go with Darth Vader number six. Um, This is kind of the aftermath of uh, Empire Strikes Back and their story arc they just did right before this where he runs into Padme's old uh, guards, the ones that look like her, and, you know, they had their own story arc. But uh, he comes back to the Emperor, and the Emperor is basically kicking the crap out of him because he's getting emotional again, and he the emperor can kind of sense he's slipping back towards the light side for the love of his son and everything so he wants to really instill that dark side power fear anger all of that he's got to tear so, him back down to build yeah. him back up again and tear him down he does they they darth vader does not have a good day in this issue at all they make him back to the way he was when oh yeah the, when emperor found him on mustafar yep and uh vader starts to choke uh, force choke uh, Imperial Guards and everything, and the Emperor's like, no, no, no. Here's how you force choke somebody, and just, you know, lifts him straight up. That's my shit. So I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but this was a really, really good issue. So if you've been liking Vader, this is the next one, and it's the beginning of a new story arc, so it's a good jumping on point as well. I, yeah, if you haven't been reading it, at least check out and trade of the previous story arc. Um, Israel, I'm talking to you. I know you'll pick it up when it comes out, but... Uh, yeah, just phenomenal stuff. Any of the Star Wars stuff that's been coming out, definitely worth checking out and going from there. Yep. Do you know offhand in the trade how many issues it'll collect? Will it be uh, through to six? Or? Based no, off I of think this, it'll probably one. be one through five. I mean, yeah. I'll guess. All right, so we did our Villains of the Week. We did our Books of the Week. Now for our Heroes of the Week. As I Jared forgot this. all about it <laughs> again. Did how do we forget I... this every week? That's okay. Laura asked me about it if, this morning if I remember. I was like, if I picked one of that, I was like, eh, now I'll pick it on, you know, probably on air right before it. So, our favorite hero, either comic book and or otherwise. I'll be the first to pick uh, since I'm you, the last to say you seem, remember this. You just got an aha moment. <laughs> I'm going to go with Tom Taylor, who's been writing Seven Secrets and Deceased. Uh, he is a phenomenal writer, and I've really been enjoying everything he's done. So I'm going to go with him for this week. It's a good choice. I'm going to somewhat cheat and not pick a person, more of a thing or an entity, which is for me is going to be the restore of Lime, Ohio. They do ha- or slash Habitat for Humanity. They build local stuff. You know Habitat for Humanity. They buy, they build housing or cheap housing for low-income families and stuff. Um, I just want to pick them right now because I remember they did a Facebook Live this morning about the stuff that they have going on, and they're getting like the lumber and everything ready for to start a new house locally and i think that's pretty cool that is pretty and cool. they're doing a silent auction for a golf cart so i may be bidding on that at some point for us so okay. we can transfer or transform a golf cart into a miniature spider buggy hey, there you go so i won't pick the habitat for humanity slash restore of lima that makes me tempted i should make you my hero and be like you're gonna get me a spider buggy <laughs> well but... it's a silent auction so we have to <laughs> bid on it first and then we'll have to remodel it Okay, fine. You're not my hero. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> the time option's done on the 31st, so we'll see what the price is at then. Okay. Um, as I'm scrambling, I think that I'm going to go with the character I mentioned in We Live who fixed the helmet for the Hototo character. His name's Hombo. So I'll say that he's my hero because he fixed this little kid's helmet and made him feel better after a really bad 
bus ride that didn't go well. And so he can be my hero because he was Hatoto's hero in that little scene of the story. And the helmet was really cool, too, because, like, it engaged panda mode, where yeah. everyone has, like, panda heads and everything. Like, it's really adorable, so you can definitely... Oh, it's the end of the world, but we can at least make it look like it's not, so it doesn't scare you out as much, too. So, that those are our Heroes of the Week, and our Pigs of the Week, and our Villains of the Week. I think, that's, I think we're done. It's been a big week. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Eventually, we'll see the reviews. We might read some on air eventually, if we remember to figure out how to where you review them at. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We are still doing TikTok. We haven't done a video yet. I'll try to talk to Mark into doing one tomorrow. Um, we'll see what happens. But until then, keep reading, and we'll see you next time.